Good morning, everyone. Okay, I see. Oh, we got a clock there at the back that I can actually see. It's 10.08. Ooh, I have to be finished by 10.30. Huh? Bizarre, on the dot. Our resident theologian at the back is shaking his head. <laughs> but I just want to say again this morning, it is such an honor and a privilege, really, to be part um, of this congregation, to be in this building with you. I'm actually quite emotional this morning, so let's see if we can get through what God has placed on my heart. And people often say to me, Ingrid, what is your, what is your daily prayer? My daily prayer goes like this, oh God, oh God, please help me, I can't do this. <laughs> so I just ask and I have prayed that my reflections, my thoughts, and my readings would be acceptable to God, and that each of us, including myself, would be open to hear his challenge because that's usually the word that I bring. God gives me profound challenging challenges to myself and to the people. So again, I do not stand here as one who has it all right. I fall every day, and I know we all do. So although I'm holding the microphone and I'm behind this uh, beautiful piece of wood, I am just as normal as any one of you. So let's dive into Romans chapter 3. Woohoo! <laughs> hey, and I've taken up the challenge to learn how to do PowerPoint, so bear with me. This is only the third one I have ever done in my life. It is a journey, as with all things. So Romans chapter 3, I'm not going to go over 1 and 2 and who wrote it because I will use up all my time. So Romans chapter 3, this is the way I would like to look at it with, with you. This chapter is a chapter to a divided church, and what we're going to be looking at this morning is viewing this chapter as God's call to unity. Oh, I said I've got to give a subtle, <laughs> I'm going to give a subtle <laughs> link uh, to the guy at the back. Okay, so recently, whenever I read scripture, I've decided to to do it under three questions to begin with. And the first one is, in, in any scripture that I'm reading, who is the God? Who is God that is represented in the scripture? Who is the enemy and who am I? And in this particular chapter, we're going to add two more, two more aspects. What is the main issue? Dividing, there's the answer. What is the main issue in the church? And then I'm going to end with a but now. Because one of the encouragements, and I know Leslie's with me in this, we love Scripture. We love to study Scripture. And hopefully, Les will be more upfront in the future to share her learnings. The danger of studying Scripture is it becomes an academic exercise. Or it becomes, oh, I've got to read for 10 minutes, and then I've done my quiet time, and I'm finished with Jesus for the day. I remember I actually did go to Bible college way back, and our professor stood up on day one, and he said, the biggest danger of studying Scripture is it becomes an academic exercise. And he said, never, ever forget that this is the living Word of God. It is sharper than a two-edged sword, not just for those who do not know God, it is still that for us. So I pray this morning that as we go through these, um, we can feel that. And whatever God wants to say to you, I pray that his voice 
would speak to us each individually today. Now, when I, how I learn and how I understand, I like pictures. I'm very visual. So I'm going to choose a couple of pictures to begin with. So for our first question, who is God? I try to think of a picture that everyone here would relate to. And I was going to sing the opening song, but I'm going to leave it. Do we all know who this character is? Simba. <laughs> all right. So who is God in chapter 3? So I've just pulled out some of the adjectives, the words that describe God in this chapter. So here we go. He is faithful. Do I hear an amen? <laughs> he is true. And you mentioned that already. He is faithful. He is true. He is righteous. He is fair. He is kind. He is just. And he is the only one. So the picture I wanted to pick out is God is like the lion of Judah. And yes, he's not, he's not a cartoon Disney character. But if we can just focus on a lion, and even there are some things in that movie that remind us of what a lion is. Let me tell you, I had once, I had the wonderful and absolutely terrifying um, situation. We were in what's called a, um, a wildlife park in another country north of South Africa. And we were driving home at sunset, and we were right along the, the, the perimeter fence. And everyone knows that lions don't go near the fence near where the cars are. And we were just going along slowly, admiring the sunset, and suddenly we heard this roar. And literally from here to that wall was this mighty lion. Now at sunset, I'm told, Lions like to roar to let them know this is their territory. And wherever their voice extends, that is where they have their power, their strength, their territory. And as I heard this roar, we switched off the car. And he roared. And he roared. And it was the most powerful thing I think I have ever heard. And in that moment, I felt God say, and that is just a lion. Because sometimes we forget. We say, God is loving. He's my dad, which he is. But we should never forget the majesty, the power, the authority, and the dominion of this creator God that we worship. And what is his deepest desire? His longing, the longing of his heart. And yes, there's a spelling mistake. Who spotted it? I know Amanda did, probably Leslie. <laughs> we, he, his longing is to reconcile. It is to bring together. It is to restore and redeem. I can't even read my own writing here. It is to heal, to make whole. It is to connect cohesion and unity. That is his heart to bring back his beloved people to himself. So let's hold on to that picture of God and, and, and imagine there's the fiercest, strongest lion. And that is a little picture of who this God is that we worship. But there is another character. 
Some people call him the great enemy. Now I put that in inverted commas. We need to remember that he is already defeated, but yet he is still there. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 describes him as prowling, roaring, and looking to devour. You know, in Egypt, where, where I live most of every year, they, they would say, he wants to eat <laughs> you. <laughs> he wants to eat us. He wants to destroy us. John 10.10 10 says he comes as a thief. He wants to steal. He wants to kill. And he wants to destroy. His name could be. Scar. What is his deepest desire? It is to wound, it is to divide, it is to separate, it is to bring pain, death, hatred, and separation. And let us not forget there is a constant battle. Outside and inside. So let's go then to who, who am I? And I don't know if any of you have discovered this wonderful thing called Bible Project. If you don't know Bible Project, just Google Bible Project and put in a, a book of the Bible. Like Bible Project, Romans, and up will come this most amazing video, short video. They are excellent. So I took this quote from Romans. It's a little, they, they draw a little, a little cartoon and they explain. And it's, it's very quick, but it is very, a very, very useful tool for all of us. This is how, how he describes it. We, not just the people out there, not just the people who don't know God, us, the church. Romans is written to believers. We are trapped in a downward spiral of sin and selfishness with a heart and mind that are broken. We move away from God to embrace idolatry. And now all of you are thinking, hey, hey, I don't bow down to any golden calf. <laughs> I don't carry, you know, little things in my pocket and put them up in a niche and bow down to them. But what is idolatry? It is finding ultimate significance in created things and giving loyalty or allegiance, love, attention, time, money, to those things which are not God. And this leads to a distortion of humanity and destructive behavior. You know, often when we think of, of sin, we tend to go to the big things. But I just want to remind us all that sin is not just centered around drug, sex, and alcohol, or wine, woman, and song, although it can be, or power and wealth. It can be all those things to all of us. But often the war in our own lives is to do with our minds and our emotions. 
And often it comes down to where am I finding my sense of value, my sense of worth, and my sense of identity. Often that is where the idols hide. And we're going to go through some of the questions about that. Where am I finding my identity? And often when we think about identity, it's about where am I in the picking order? How important am I? How many friends do I have? Where do I sit? Which chair do I sit in in church? Uh, do I get to hold the microphone? Which education do I have? Where do I live? Which tribe am I from? Which passport do I hold? Which house do I live in? What clothes do I wear? Silly little things like that can cause division, can cause disunity within the body of Christ. So that brings us to, next page, what was the central issue in this church? What do we have here? We have division. We have disunity. We have the same old issue. Now, in my re reading of Scripture, I have found right from Genesis, right through the Bible, there's what I call the most common sin in the Bible. Anybody want to guess what I think is the most common sin in the Bible? What is it? Okay, being separated from God, but why? Ego. What's another word for ego? Yeah? Yeah, if you've said one word, you may not say another. Okay. Sorry? Oh, man, if I had sweets, I would give you the whole bag. <laughs> pride. What are other words for pride? Arrogance. Another one who hasn't spoken. Pride, arrogance. What else? Selfishness. Entitlement. Superiority. Whichever word you use, those are the same things over and over and over. From Adam and Eve, if we go even to the Pharisees, pride, arrogance, superiority, and it takes us right into this very church that Paul is writing to. So next page, what do we have? Hey, I managed to find a ladder. <laughs> a ladder, this thing of superiority, and jealousy. We have, now you're thinking, what on earth is a JBB and a GBB? Where I live in Egypt, there and, and amongst the Muslims that we live and in Christian circles, there's something that they call the MBBs. And I remember going to a conference thinking, what on earth is an MBB? You know, now I love Americans, but they do like to shorten everything. MBB is a Muslim background believer. In other words, who were you before you came to Christ. So in this church, we have the Jewish background believers, and we have the Gentile background believers. And now the Jewish background believers were saying, we're better, we're superior. Why did they think that? They were the ones that were given the law. They were the ones that were chosen. They had a long history with Yahweh, the only God, and they were the circumcised people. 
And all those things led them to believe that they were superior. And these Gentile background believers, I, I try to think of a whole lot of words, but I came up with just one. Inferior. Now, normally if someone feels inferior, and I know I do, fairly regularly, even married to my dear husband, I look at him and I'm like, oh man, he can do this, he can do that, he can, I can't. Very easy to feel inferior because our minds are always judging, but we judge from a human perspective. And what happens is we feel inferior, insecure, unvalued, unnoticed, all those words. And what it does, it creates resentment. It creates bitterness. And what do we do? We lash out at the one that we think has done this to us. And it becomes ugly. So what we've got is we've got a lashing out between the two. But Paul's conclusion, verse 9, this is what he says. He tries to argue a little bit backwards and forwards, and then he comes in with a punchline. And in some ways, I can imagine him saying, what are you guys doing? And he says to them both, all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. That flattens all of us. And whichever society we are in, and I have lived in many societies, I have lived in many countries, I have traveled to many countries, wherever I place my feet, I find this. And not just in the world, in the church. We are always trying to show who's better, who's cleverer, who's been to Bible college, who hasn't, who's done mission, who hasn't, who's done, you know, we measure, oh, which gifting is more important? Is it serving the tea or is it doing, oh, the guy at the desk is better than me. Why do we do this? The only measurement is from God. You're all sinners. And that's the only issue. Because God's heart is to have a united church. But man, we tear at ourselves. We tear at each other. We squash each other down. We think murderous, bitter thoughts. And I know, even just looking at the church here, our histories are horrible. They are horrible. I live in a Muslim country when, they when our Muslim friends talk about the Christian crusades. I want to die. When they think of the Christian church, what do they see? When I meet broken women who have been abused, I meet people who have had secret abortions, and we go, oh. We look at people coming into our church and we judge them. It's human nature. Now, I, this is a heavy message, but it's valid. It's valid. But what is the good news? No, we haven't got to the good news yet. The next page. 
Here's a wonderful thing about no one is righteous, not even one. And it goes through into the third person. Their, their talk is foul. Their tongues are filled. Their mouths are bitterness. They don't know where to. You know, often when we read scripture, we think, oh, I'm not like that. That's them. That's, that's those people out there. So I want to re, rewrite that section of scripture from Romans for us. And I'd like you to close your eyes and just listen. Paul is writing to believers, and, he, and it is to us, for us to take it on. I am not righteous. I am not truly wise. I am not seeking God. I have turned away. I have become useless. I do not do good. My talk is foul. My tongue is filled with lies. My mouth is full of bitterness, and I rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow me. I don't know where to find peace. I have no fear of God at all. But the good news is there is a but now. I once heard a magnificent sermon on the but now. Those are wonderful words of Christ. You know, all of us, we are sinners. We are useless. We fail every day. We lose the battle. We make the choice to follow Scar. We fill our minds. We allow ourselves to get angry. But God has made a way for us to be made right. And we've, we've come through Easter. We've come through Easter. Jesus died to pay the price. We owed big and we had no gold credit card, no platinum credit card to pay. We were unable to pay for the useless people that we are. And Jesus said, I love you. God is saying, come, I want to reconcile with you. Come, be my people. But Jesus didn't just pay the price. He rose from the dead again to show once and for all that scar is finished. But yet he is still here until that day. Until that day. We have victory over Satan's ultimate threat of death. And the but now is not just about my relationship with God. It's not just about, and that's why I love this thing. The but now is not just about my growth, my understanding of scripture, my prayers, joining a committee, joining a ministry. It's not just that. What did God choose the Israelites for? We go right back to scripture, right back to the beginning. What was, what was the job? What was the role of the Jews, the Israelites? What did God call them to do? Sorry, say again. Yeah. They were supposed to live. Now, remember, the, here were the Israelites, or the Jews, and around them were the pagan nations. 
And God said, you guys are going to live like this so that people will know. The pagan nations will look at you and they will see me. The Old Testament is a, yeah, man, it's difficult to read. I, had a, I have a Muslim friend. Pray for her. She's, she's wonderful. Her name is Mariam. She's a tour guide that we use with our travel network. We took her up Sinai, and with our guests, we always do a Bible study on Moses and, you know, all this kind of thing. So we try to angle it a little bit different because she was joining us. And she fell in love with this idea, and she said to me, oh, show me. And I said, oh, yeah, take my Bible. I, I will mark it for you. And she went home with my Bible, and she started reading the history a little bit of the Jews. And she got to the golden calf. And she said, we, we meet for coffee regularly for about three hours. And she said to me, now, the Egyptians get very angry. They get very strong. And she said to me, Ingrid, she said, those Jews, she said, they are bad. They are rebellious. And she said, I do not want to read the next page because I know what God will do. He will forgive them. And they shouldn't be forgiven. <laughs> and, and I laughed. I laughed so much. But please pray for her because she's, she's kind of stopped reading. And I really long for her to carry on reading. And I'm trying not to force it. I'm trying just to allow the spirit. But we don't. That's the story of the Jews all the way through the Old Testament. They go this way, they follow idols, they do temple prostitutes, they go their own way, all sorts of things. And then, oh, we want a king just like the other nations. And God has said, I want you to live a life that is different to the other nations so that they will look at you. That's the but now. Because of what Jesus has done, we become part. God gives us the invitation next page, so that we, you, me, Sarepta, you guys up there, Kaman also, as we say in Arabic, into Kaman, you as well, so that we can be the body of Christ. We can be the family of God. We can be salt. We can shine like lights in the darkness. You do not have to come to Egypt to see darkness. Every school, every hospital, every coffee shop, every petrol station, every park, every neighborhood, even every house, there is darkness. Darkness is when people do not know Jesus. You know, people often look at Tim and I and go, oh, wow, you guys are missionaries. Maybe another day I can talk all about my understanding of that word missionaries. We are all missional. If you follow Christ, we are missionaries. If you like that word, I don't. But we are missional. We are called to live as living letters. Every day people are reading you. And let me tell you, we think we are a testimony when we speak Jesus, when we dress up and stand in front of people. There's nothing wrong with doing that. But it's not just that. People watch you when you lose your wallet. <laughs> People watch you when you fight with your husband. People watch you when your, when your son is taking drugs. People watch you when your daughter goes through a divorce. People are watching us. People who are living in darkness watch us. 
And we often think when we say, oh, praise God, every, you know, everything's going my way, we think that's the testimony when I can prove that I have enough money, when I can show people that I'm the big man or the big woman. But you know what I have found in my life where the real testimony comes in is when life is going wrong, when everything is a mess. That's when the light can shine brighter. But again, that's talking about outside. And I believe one of my favorite verses is Matthew 20, 26, where God is talking to his beloved, where Jesus is talking to his beloved disciples who always get things wrong. And he's talking about, they talk, you know, what leadership must be, and it's about service. But this thing among you, it will be different. must be different. We should not be following the ways of the world. We should not be allowing scar to divide, destroy, steal, stir up anger, hatred, bitterness, entitlement, pride, arrogance. But again, that will be a biggest temptation in every community that follows Christ. It is a war. We need to fight it. So that how we live, not just on a Sunday, not just when we have our meetings, but out there on a daily basis. How do we talk about one another? What do we think about one another? Quick example. We sang the song, um, the kids' song, what was it? Deep, deep, down, down. Now, I sang that when I was like, I don't know, how old? Now, this morning, we saw a different version of that. Now, immediately, even a song like that, you can be, oh, well, that's, that's not right. That's not how we sing that song. And division, straight down the line. You know, dancing's coming in. Dancing. Oh, no, we shouldn't be dancing in. Little things. How do we do unity when the world has divided us up? We all have scars. We all have history. Can we be a body of Christ here that can show the world a better way, a different way? That what Paul wrote to these Romans is straight for this church this morning. It's a call not to be divided because we are all the same in Christ. All the same. But the good news is, is that He equips us because we are unable. We cannot do it. Our human nature will always be... <laughs> we will always measure. But now, but Christ... He will equip us to be and to do so that we can be that light. So I just wanted to end with a final verse from John 17, 23. And this is my prayer for you and for me. Wherever our feet go, I pray that you may experience such perfect Unity, And this is taken from where 
God, where Jesus is praying for his disciples. May you experience such unity. Not to achieve unity to say, hey, we're united. We're the most united church on, <laughs> in Durban. No, that the world will know that God sent Jesus and that God loves them. That is what we are called to. May God, in his mercy and his kindness, equip us and fill us so that we can walk out this calling. Amen. Thank you, Ingrid. <laughs> We've all got some examining to do this week. <laughs> um, Judah would just like to say, share something before closing. Hello, everyone. Um, yeah, thank you so much, Ingrid. It's so amazing that when you start tapping into what God is saying, or you start listening, you'll hear that his voice bounces all over this place, all the time, 24-7. Um, there, there, there was this theme in, in what the interns did on Thursday. Was it Thursday or Wednesday? But when they went down to Stockville, and as KG was sharing, the main thing he would say, that we kept saying is, God is here. And he's here on the, on, on the basis of love. God is always here, and it's like we're sitting on gold, and he's just saying, it all starts with a conversation. Let's have these conversations. You know, um, there was an emphasis as well where KG was talking about loving your neighbor and, and, and understanding that when you have these conversations with your neighbor, whoever that may be, God is here. And what that means is that whatever it is that is being addressed or is being spoken about, if you trust God to be in that conversation, hearts will turn. And, and you saw that. I was watching the video of, of the message. And as KG was saying this, this lady, sorry, KG, for sharing a story. Um, this lady, um, as you were saying, love your neighbor. This lady just out of nowhere. How can I love my neighbor when they so, so, and so, and so, and so, and so, and so annoying, and this, and this, and this. And KG was just like, God is here. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to unturn, he's going to turn every stone. And you're going to see the ugliness of these things. But seeing that is also seeing that God's about to start working because it's out in the open. So I just, um, I've been feeling that this week as well, just in everything I've been going through as well. I just keep coming back to that reminder that, God, you really are here. There's, there's people who will visit this church and will randomly say, e even during the week, do you know the Holy Spirit is here? And it, it feels weird to me because it's like I'm so used to being here. I'm not that aware of these things, but that's, that's, what, that's what we have here as a family. We have God. And, and, and if we focus on that, we'll start having each other, each other's backs, support and love um yeah nicole asked me to close in prayer as well so um yeah um lord thank you so much thank you so much for your love thank you for, for what you laid in ingrid's hearts and what you're doing in all our hearts you said you're doing something new this year 
and that you are here. We thank you so much for the service. We thank you so much for our family, God. And we pray that you open up our hearts and um, we love our neighbors daily. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Tea and coffee, that side. Me and the team, that side. And whoever wants to socialize. Cheers.